What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wedgecast, episode number four this morning. I'm very excited to bring a special guest, Jim D'Amico. He is the global talent acquisition leader for Selenese down in Texas, but he is all over the place. Uh, he is a man who brings so much wisdom to the HR recruiting talent acquisition space in general. I'm excited to have him on the show. So, Jim, why don't you just share just a little bit of your background so that so the viewers can have an understanding of quite frankly, all the expertise that you have. Yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit. So thank you for that kind of introduction. Uh, so my, my experience is primarily uh, the majority of it is in the TA space, um, some of it in the HR space, but mostly in TA. And what my area of particular expertise is, is in global TA and in taking uh, TA functions that are underperforming and turning them around generally through the use of best practices, continuous improvement, metrics and analytics, um, a lot of things that sound boring but are actually very fun. <laughs> no, I think they're amazing <laughs> once you actually get to the weeds of it. So, no, that's that's incredible. So, so I, I guess you're, you're the man to ask the, the great question to. So uh, from, from the idea of, you know, the data-driven results, from the idea of the job-seeking market in general, like within the last six months to a year, what what's new that I guess you're seeing that your your team is on the forefront of? And, yeah, what are you seeing that's looking a little bit differently? So I think one of the biggest things, Matt, is – text and text being used in recruitment and being used efficiently and being measured against. So the ability to send text messages to potential candidates, current candidates and process as a way of communication and to have them interact via text 
is impressive. Um, yeah. If you go to your email right now, I'm guessing there are probably into the hundreds of unread emails. <laughs> but, if, but if you look at your text, there's probably none. And then Google goes ahead and adds that whole, uh, have you viewed this email sort of thing, and then sends you another follow-up, and so it just doubles and triples. So Exactly. Exactly. So text is immediate. It, it, we're trained to respond to it. We, we get that, that sort of Pavlovian response when we hear the little ding come in on our phone. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a great way for us as recruiters to reach candidates, but it's also a fantastic way and an easy way for candidates to communicate back with us. Really great. The technology has evolved so much in the last year that now it's easy, it's affordable, yeah. it's accessible for everybody. So, so a question on that. Have you noticed like a trend of so, – so if you think about like sort of the life cycle of a candidate that transitions into a company, would texting sort of continuously be the method of communication – even after a hire is made? I mean, is that something that kind of carries over even past, say, your team once once a hire is made? That's a great question. I think that's going to be very dependent on the team they come on to and, and the leader that they come into. Sure. So in my role, we text all the time. We IM all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we're, 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 we're global. We're everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's a great, easy way of communication. Now, five years ago, I never would have thought of, of texting with somebody yeah. at work, but now it's becoming more common. And I think for more and more teams, it is as well. A lot of us anymore, regardless of where we work, um, you know, we're more part of our cell phone than we are our desk phone anymore. Yeah, completely. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so the second question I wanted to ask you was, okay, so just – job seeking, even in a job seekers market, right? And so where there's a ton of companies hiring all the time, what, what, but, but yet somehow candidates find themselves, I can't get a job or I can't get the job that I want, or I can't navigate the waters, or I've applied to 5,000 different jobs and nobody responds back. What, what advice do you have for, for just job seekers out there who are just overwhelmed with this whole process? Sure. And it, that, you know, so that's the conundrum, right, Matt? That we <laughs> move to a market that's really candidate driven now. Um, and yet we still have these processes and these things in place that don't make it easy for a candidate. Um, so I think probably uh, the two pieces of advice that I have for candidates are one, leverage your network. So the, the, the thought of going to a company website and just applying and crossing your fingers and hoping that that gets you somewhere isn't always the most effective. Yeah. The shortcut around that is an intro from the inside. Yeah. Uh, knowing somebody from the inside, having that relationship, that's what really gives you the, the advantage in moving through. Because even in this market today, Recruiting functions are still inundated with candidates, particularly those that are at desirable companies. It's, yeah. It, 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 that has not changed much. So we're not at the days where, where, oh, my gosh, only four people have applied. It's still in the hundreds for a lot of roles. Hmm. Um, so that shortcut's great. The other thing that I think candidates could do a much better job of when they are in the process is remembering it, the difference between a, a good candidate and a really great candidate 
every candidate can can list the tasks of the job, right, right, and right, talk right. about performing those tasks. What companies want, what I want, what my leaders want, is we want people that can show us they can solve a problem. Hmm. So use your resume, use your conversation time with the companies to really focus not so much on checking off the task boxes. Right, right, right. Talking about real-life problem solving. That will move you to the head of the line so fast. So, yeah, that here, here here's the candidate that I am. Yeah, here's the important things that I've done. But here's a very practical thing of an approach that I solved a problem. Or even if I failed at solving the problem, here's at least my method, methodology of how I was going to approach doing that. Is that, yeah, just to kind of clarify, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. So it's not just, you know, it doesn't always have to be successful because if it didn't work, then, you know, what you build on is what you learned, what you just exactly. said. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that a lot. So I guess with that, so you, you have uh, quite the resume yourself, right? You, you you come in and you build amazing talent acquisition function systems and, 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 and processes for, for companies to hire and recruit talent. So if you found yourself job seeking today, what would you be doing differently than maybe you would have, uh, you know, five years ago or a year ago or 10 years ago? What, for, for, for yourself, per, yourself personally, what would you do differently? Sure. So for, for me differently, I would just be all network. I would not I, I would not go to a job board. I would not go <laughs> online. I would just utilize my network and, um, you know, essentially crowdsource Text as many people as you can. <laughs> exactly. You know, you spend all this time building a network and nurturing a network. You should use it, and you should be reciprocal. So that's yeah. the other thing. I'm always very good at helping my network when they need me. But you know, that network's there, and it's easy to build. Now, when I look, I'm pre-internet, right? When I was <laughs> when I first got in the job market, uh, you know, computers were still green screens. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that know. bow tie's timeless, though, so I don't know about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, so to build a network, it took time. It was yeah. taking yeah. hands. It was getting out. Now it's virtual, and it's easy, and it's easy to maintain. And so that's what I would do. I would just be all about my network. Yeah, I like that. Um, so, so very last question I would have is just a simple one: is what's your favorite? What's your favorite interview question? Uh, so I interview a lot. Famous, of famous question for for a global talent acquisition <laughs> leader. So, <laughs> well, I interview a lot of leaders, Matt. So I yep. think my absolute favorite question is: I love to ask people to tell me uh, about a time when they had an underperforming employee, and I leave it at that because now I've given them a choice. They can walk me through a scenario and a situation where they had an underperforming employee and they put them on a performance improvement plan and they didn't improve and they worked with HR to either, you know, terminate or move the employee and it wasn't the best scenario or what great leaders do is they will tell you about a time that they took the time to really work with a person to understand why they were underperforming and turn them around. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately I want people that have those stories about I worked with somebody, they were underperforming. Now they are my best employee. Yep. And that takes a, I mean, that, that question showcases actually, I think a lot of humility within a leader because I think there are some who will admit, 
you know, hey, my team's great. You know, we're working through some kinks, whatever that might be. But that kind of brushes things under the rug. But somebody who's willing to actually openly admit that, hey, they do have an underperforming employee, they recognize that, they tried and maybe failed at some parts of it, but they were willing to, you know, do what they can to fix that. I think there's a lot of humility in that, which is cool. Absolutely. And the fundamental difference between what oftentimes people perceive a leader's role and what a leader really needs to do are different. So a lot of people perceive that a leader's job is to tell people what to do. Right. <laughs> and what a leader's job really is to do is to elevate those around them and develop those around them. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I think that's a great, great fundamental, you know, side of leadership as well, too. Well, Thank you so much for being on the show, Jim D'Amico. He brings a, a wide range of just uh, knowledge to the whole space of town acquisition from his involvement with companies and just his, his own personal brand, too. So, Jim, thank you so much for being on the show with us and uh, excited to have you. So, Hey, thanks a lot, Matt. Have a great one. <laughs> yeah, you too.